Father Harrison, what day is it today? It's Palm Sunday. This is a first for us. We're recording on a Sunday, yeah. but we are not breaking the Sabbath. The Sabbath. <laughs> we are not breaking the Sabbath. Sabbath. Because recording this podcast brings us such great joy and exactly. peace and rest. Yes, exactly. We're so rested. You're energetic today. I am. I wasn't a moment ago. I was super tired. I poured myself some coffee, and yep. I'm super excited about our presbyteral exhortations. I'm all nice. jazzed up now. Nice. So are you ready for Holy Week and stuff like that? Pretty much. Uh, it's not too difficult of a Holy Week for me. I've got, of course, I've got a Good Friday liturgy. I'm doing one of our Holy Thursday liturgies. But Easter will be easy. I'm just singing the Exaltet for the Vigil and emceeing. And I have two Masses. Oh, nice. So, yeah, not yeah. So it's not bad at all, not actually. Yeah, yeah. Nice. How about yourself and your little little Canadian parish over there? My kingdom. Um, your Canadian kingdom. <laughs> my Canadian kingdom. I. It, it's funny. It's like every year around Thursday or Friday of the fifth week of Lent now, it seems to me, it kind of like hits me. Like, oh, wait. It's Holy Week next week. I got to like start prepping homilies and I got to look through the ritual to make sure everything's ready to go. And I'm not, uh, I'm not someone who plans way in advance. I'm not good mm. at this. I'm not good at this at all. Mm. It's a skill set I sorely need that I do not have and I've never been able to develop. And so I am kind of in today is going to be a day where I'm going to do a lot of prep work for the, the week. I mean, it's all there in the germ and everything, but you got to look it over, make sure you know what you're doing for the day so you can give instructions to altar servers and minister, Eucharistic ministers and readers and all that stuff so they know what to do for the week and stuff. But it's, uh, yeah, it'll be fine. Oh, so speaking of of the Palm Sunday, uh-huh. I I mentioned for the first time in my new assignment, my newer assignment. I've been here for months now. I mentioned professional wrestling. Whoa! I did. And I what was the reaction of the crowd? How, well, uh, awkwardness. Yeah. More so than anything else, awkwardness. Was I'll it because of like, the haircut? I don't know if it's because of the haircut. It might be. Maybe they're just off because of. I mean, I, I was kind of put off when I saw you. I was like, wait, I'm still not used to this. <laughs> I know, the short hair is throwing people off. But my overall point was, yes. for WrestleMania, the, the show itself is like seven hours long. But people come in from all around the world, and they spend Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, and sometimes even Tuesday. They put their money into this. They put their vacation time into this. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, can we do at least half of that for Holy Week. Hmm. That was the gist of it. Because gotcha. you don't want to go too long. You don't want to preach like too long about stuff. Yeah, I, I talked about entering Jerusalem and blah, 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 yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. I preached like, on, yeah. I preached on kneeling. Kneeling? Yes. Who does that? I, I was just kind of reflecting on the, you know, the ritual gesture that we do at the death of Jesus and then how kneeling actually takes on a very profound and central role in the liturgy over the week and how we kneel as a community together. But that we, if the external gesture is not connected with that internal um, sense of the heart to want to kind of submit to God, then our external kneeling means nothing. And I was kind of like looking at like the centurion and the, and St. Dismas about uh, how they kind of kneeled in their heart to Jesus and they submitted themselves to him and that that needs to be our attitude as well. And that we need to, and that whenever we kneel, we are proclaiming that Jesus is Lord. And so he needs to be Lord, not just externally, but internally as well. Mm, You know, three three minutes, three minute homily today. Let us kneel. Let Let us stand. stand. (laughs) (laughs) Let us introduce the podcast. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Clerically Speaking. I am Father Anthony. And I am Father Harrison. How's Lent going? How is Lent going? Yes. My goodness. So I will say this. I have officially removed both uh, my web browser and Twitter from my phone. Yeah. And I put it back into grayscale. And I was like, you know what? I can do this at least for one week. Good. So if I'm on Twitter, it'll be only from a desktop. It won't be from my phone. Yeah. And I did that last yesterday, a couple yeah. days ago. And what? it's super annoying. It is super feeling, annoying. Feeling it. It's uh, super annoying. So at least I can do something for our Lord, however small, however imperfect, mm-hmm. before Holy Week. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to do. That's good. Uh, for me, uh, the phone's been pretty good. Uh, I've found myself, I've turned my browser on when I had to go to Victoria 
because I needed to do a few things and I didn't have my computer with me. And so I found myself suddenly, I forgot to turn it off the next day. And so I found myself a little bit more on my phone than I'd like to be. Still not bad though, like not what it used to be at all. Um, I, my, the experiment for the six weeks of Lent has really made me appreciate the Twitter app on the phone. Oh yeah, it's way easier. It, it Twitter is made for the app on the phone. Pure yeah. and simple. I think I think a lot of companies do that. They make their web browser of the version of the website so bad, so you have to get their app. It sucks on the computer. It's the worst. And I feel like I am missing out sometimes on some things with people. So I don't know. I haven't decided yet what I'm going to do with Twitter yet on my phone. But um, even like even if you're to use Twitter on the browser on the phone, it's not as good as the app. It's it's oh, clunky. No. It's browser buggy. on the phone is the worst worst way to it's use the worst. Twitter yes, by it is. far. It's it disgusting. Is. It is. Um, but Paul Harrison, yes, I have a question. Yes, you are a spiritual guru of sorts, are you not? Uh, probably not. But whatever. What's your question? <laughs> I was going to ask you this. Yeah. Let's say someone, not me. Okay. But someone has had a terrible Lent up until now, and yeah. this is coming out Holy Good Friday. Yep. They've had terrible Lent. Yeah. They've had a terrible Holy Week. Yeah. They're listening to us right now. Yeah. Feeling like a bag of garbage. Yeah. What do you say to them? You still got 24 hours before the Lord rises. So enter into Good Friday and enter into Holy Saturday and just uh, ask the Lord for his mercy. You know, I think sometimes we can beat ourselves up too much about these things. Um, I mean, it depends. Like, I don't know. Some people are like, oh, I've had a garbage line. I'm like, what do you mean by this? Right. Is it because you just didn't keep up to the disciplines you wanted to? Well, why not? Because well, like sometimes you may not keep up to your disciplines. Yeah. But that should tell you something about your heart. That should reveal something about your attachments. Right. So that's a good thing. Right. Like today, Eve, I have I have ceased buying into the idea that Sunday is like a break from Lent. I believe that Sunday is a part of Lent. Okay, you've you've converted. Yeah, I've converted, and I I kind of cheated today. Oh wait, 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 wait! You're saying that you used to think that Sundays were not a part of Lent. Yes. Now you think they are. And so I cheated a and, bit today. And I now che- you've cheated because Just of that. A, yes. Why didn't you wait to change your mind until after you cheated? <laughs> I actually changed my mind pretty quickly after the start of Lent. Ooh. Yes. So, so tell us your 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 failing. I got so little sleep last night because the alarm sensor in one of the areas of our rectory area kept on going off last night, even though the alarm wasn't set three times, once at two o'clock in the morning, once at four o'clock in the morning, and once at six o'clock in the morning. I got like four hours of sleep last night, so I went out and got a Slurpee, lots of caffeine (laughs) and sugar because I need to be awake to do this podcast. You know who wasn't awake to do podcasts or drinking Slurpees because all those are anachronistic? Literally every Thomas saint Aquinas. prior no, to no, 1950. Had, I was about to do the worst, <laughs> the worst transition ever. I know, I was My trying to help you was gonna be, cover. These things have nothing to do with each other, and you ruined it. And I'm so angry right now. No, what were you going to say, Father Harrison? Go ahead. I was going to say, like, literally every saint prior to, like, 1950. And also Thomas Aquinas. Exactly. It's time for the Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. Summa Tweetologica. I'm sorry. That's okay. I apologize. I repent. I'm sorry. We're we're all terrible sinners. The Summa Theologica was St. Thomas Aquinas' summary of theology, and the Summa Tweetologica is our summary of things we found interesting on Twitter. This is from, once again, at Carl Stubeck. He tagged us in this, and he says, Gospel question, why did Herod and Pilate become friends after the Passion? Weird detail I never noticed. 
So he's speaking, of course, about the gospel reading for Passion or Palm Sunday from Luke, where there's a little, little part in the gospel where they say, after this, they became mm-hmm. friends yep. before they were enemies. Right. Why? Why do you think they became friends, Father Harrison? I really am not sure. I was going to look into this later. So I have, I have no answer. I have no answer. I have no hypothesis. I know nothing on this one. Yeah. Well, I think this is actually kind of both funny and really sad and morbid because we're talking about our persecuted Lord. Yeah. But I think they were kind of just like messing with each other. Sending Jesus back and forth was kind of like a joke to them. Mm-hmm. And they found it funny. Like Herod's like, oh, this crazy Galilean, he's a Galilean. He belongs to Herod. Herod is in town. We'll send him over there. Herod finds this very funny dresses him all up in king's clothing and sends him back to Pilate. Jesus became a practical joke for both of them. So they kind of like bro bonded hmm. over the suffering of our Lord. Hmm. So it's a really kind of dark passage, but I think right. it's understandable on a human level because yeah. they don't consider him, you know, Jesus, Jesus. Right. So that's my guess. That makes Just sense. Just judging yeah. on how human beings work. I, I had a feeling it had something to do over like their mutual dislike for him or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Pilate didn't seem to dislike him as much. I think Herod was just like disappointed because he was like, he was waiting for Jesus to do a trick for him, essentially. Yeah, right. That was a neat detail in the in the passion narrative because uh, he wanted Jesus to perform some sign. It's like, yeah, he wanted to be a magician for you. Yeah, yeah. That's I, I have no answer on that one though, but I think that's a, I think that's a fair way to look into it. Next one is from Libby Marini, Marinaccio, Libby at Libby Mary. Behave in church, the ushers chirp, handing each kid a palm sword. Yeah. I, I never I never looked at it that way, but then when I when I saw that tweet this morning and I'm like I'm going into the church and I see kids getting palms, I'm like, Oh yeah, I see that now. That's definitely a palm sword. And I'm sure like some grade three brother is poking his sister with the palm branch during mass and stuff like that. Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. I can see that happen. I, I this is why I think People make uh, crosses out of their palms so that the kids won't use them as weapons. <laughs> we, beat our, we beat the swords into plowshares. Oh, look at right? that. That's beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> but at, when you're a child, there are very few things that can't be a sword. But certainly a palm is one of those things that is especially sword-like. You can even fold it in such a way. Just as people do do the crosses, you can just fold like one palm branch at the bottom as like the hilt. And then you have the, the top end of the sword. And there you go. You have a palm sword. It's perfect. It's perfect. 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 There you go. <laughs> Tip for you parents out there. Make a palm sword with your blessed palms from church. I mean, what else are you going to do during that incredibly long gospel? Exactly. Might as well not pay attention and just make palm swords. Exactly. Don't do that. Listen to the gospel. It's not a toy. It's a blessed. It's a sacramental. Shame on all of you. <laughs> Yell at your kids. No. <laughs> I, I only I only half mean that. Yeah, yeah. Yelled them in private. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, do what you want. You're probably great parents. If you're listening to this podcast, you're probably an excellent parent who knows how to handle these things very well. Exactly. exactly. Okay. This next tweet from Claire at Femina Provita tweeted. Is this the whole tweet you have yeah. here? Yeah. Okay. Good luck cramming for Easter, said the atheist friend crashing on my couch as I left for Palm Sunday Mass today. Honestly, it's not a terrible way to look at Holy Week, especially if your Lent has felt weird or otherwise lackluster as mine has. Mm-hmm. Ellipsis. Ellipsis. Oh, this is kind of what we talked about a little bit earlier. A little bit, yeah. So I was like, oh, you didn't see the tweet. That's okay. Yeah. That's okay. It's true. But it's true. I think like Holy... No, I, I keep on forgetting. I, if, if I remember correctly... The 40 days of Lent actually only go up to like Palm Sunday or something like that. And then I, Every I, year everyone, everyone, I forget this. I forget this too because here, you say something about this for a second. I'm going to do some counting. Okay. So basically, I think it's important to remember that even though it's good to take on these practices, it's good to do all this fasting. Even in failure, we realize how weak we are without Jesus Christ. And it can be a reminder of one, that we need to be more humble, and two, that this is really all about God's grace and God's mercy, not our own effort. But there are efforts that need to be made, like mathematical efforts. Father Harrison, do you have a number for us? The 40 days goes up to Wednesday, so the tritium is not part of Lent. It's its own little break-off. But I do think, like, the Passion Week, and even, like, Passion Tide, 
it'd be interesting to look in this is where something like getting we have to talk to father alec about this because i'm sure he's got lots of information about passion tide the two mm. weeks because from what i understand palm sunday and the passion narrative were two separate celebrations uh two separate sundays in the liturgical in the liturgical in year the of Lent, in the old calendar mm. and they got combined into one in the new calendar that's why we have the two gospels that day well, there's still a little bit of a remnant of that yeah. in the liturgy. The covering, uh, covering the statues and stuff. Covering the statues, but also if you notice the uh, the preface, we don't use the Lenten preface last right, week exactly. for the daily masses. We use the Passion preface. Right. So there's uh, there's Passion Sunday and there's Palm Sunday, and they got subsumed into one. I don't know why, it, but um, regardless, I think um, there's something about the int- last two weeks as that intense time. Like it's it just like Lent kind of intensifies, right? You go the you got the four weeks of Lent with the um, and then uh, you get Passion Sunday starts, and then you get Palm Sunday, which starts Holy Week, and it's just like kind of intensifies to the point where you get to Good Friday, which is like really kind of ramping it up, and then Holy Saturday, which is like the big celebration. And I think mm-hmm. there is something about this idea. Yeah, it is kind of cramming it in. It's saying now intensify more, intensify more, get more into it. And I'm trying to do that more and more each year because I've, it helps you kind of live the calendar. Well, it's also kind of Christ's path in the gospel, particularly in the gospel of Luke, because that's just in my brain as mm-hmm. of late, because that's year, it's year C, that things do ramp up after um, the transfiguration yeah. and then going up to Jerusalem. Things get more and more intense and things yeah. seem to almost speed up and speed up and speed up and they get more intense. So it's, yeah. it's a reflection of Christ's life in the liturgical calendar. Well, and it's also, if you, it's also interesting uh, for Passion Tide, the other things that change, uh, the Office of Readings, it's the letter to the Hebrews that starts. With, yeah. And with weekday Mass, it, it begins with John's Gospel. Mm-hmm. Right? So this is saying this is a different time now where you're going even more intent. Yeah, so it is. I think it is not a terrible way to look at Holy Week and Passion Tide in general, that the church kind of understands this idea of like, let's ramp it up. Let's get more penitential. Heck yeah. Heck yeah. So uh, I don't have a fourth tweet. Do you? Oh, uh, I don't have a fourth tweet either. I'll you want, do you want to know why? Why? Because people are garbage. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's like, no interesting tweets. There, tweet better tweets, people. Yeah, this isn't because we've been on Twitter less or have been doing our jobs poorly. No, 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 no. You people write garbage tweets, and you need to up your game. Shame on all of you for not giving us material to use for our podcast. It's Good Friday, but you should feel bad about this. Let this spur you on to greater sorrow, because not only... Have your sins crucified our Lord, but your lack of good tweets have shortened our, our podcast. podcast <laughs> have put our podcast into this state of suffering. I didn't want to say crucify the podcast because I can only go so far in the joke yeah. before I start to feel bad. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. that's as far as I'll go in the joke. That's but yeah, funny. We've got that three tweets. Deal with it. Deal we do with have it. one tweet though. Yeah. For Patreon pontifications. Sounds good. Patreon pontifications. You support us, we read your tweets. Please consider donating to our Patreon. Money goes to paying for our equipment and podcast hosting fees, as well as paying producer Nick a just wage for all the work he does. Any money collected that goes beyond that will be donated to the missionaries of charity. Go to patreon.com slash clerically speaking to have a chance at having your chosen tweet talked about on the podcast. This week's tweet comes from Father C.M. Zelonis. At Father Z, 2003. This is two weeks in a row of a clerical-sponsored tweet. Mm-hmm. Right? Two weeks? Yeah. Two weeks right? in a row with a clerically-sponsored tweet. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. Oh, no, so, no, 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 no. Sorry. We had a clerically... Last week was lay... The week before when Father Josh was on was clerically-sponsored. Oh, sponsored. yeah. I'm yeah. thinking so fondly of the episode when we had more priests on. Yeah. And the episode yeah. when we've had more it's, lay people It's like we should have just, more episodes in the future with more priests on. Definitely. Foreshadowing... Hmm. Anyway, so Father Z says, <laughs> our favorite Father Z says this, in honesty, you have to admit to a wise man that prayer is not for the wise, not for the prudent, not for the sophisticated. Instead, it is for those who recognize that in the face of their deepest needs, all their wisdom is quite helpless. It is for those who are willing to persist in doing something that is both childish and crucial. From Frederick Bruckner, The Magnificent Defeat. Yeah. Mm. Mm. 
It's good. It's really good. Yeah, it's I just like we, we've been talking about this actually a few times. I think on the show last couple episodes that prayer is something. It's something more than just saying prayers. Yeah. But it's also something that is for everyone. It's like hmm. I want to say it's impossible to be bad at prayer. Either you're praying or you're not praying. Right. So yeah, it's good to know stuff like uh, Lexio Divina and the examine and all these other and the rosary and learning all these things and that's important that's good and that can be very helpful but at the same time prayer is kind of about just presenting our weakness before god right yeah and it doesn't have to be more complicated than that i think a lot of times when someone starts entering into the spiritual life they learn all these great ways to pray they start shooting off into the sun it's wonderful and then they kind of trip up and stuff starts to become dry. Because I think it's then that the Lord very often says, okay, all this stuff is good, but now you've got to drop it and just let your emptiness meet my fullness. Yeah. Yeah. It's something I've been pondering more and more. And I think it's, I was having a discussion um, with a friend on in the DMs last night about this, this idea that like, this is what, uh, I was reading this little thing by Father or Cardinal Jean Danielou about the church of the poor, but this is what he means by the poor, not like the materially poor, but like even like the spiritually poor, those who are far away from God, and that the church is for them too, and that and that that's what prayer is really meant to just be is to say I need you, God, and that ever that's like that's our fundamental condition as human beings. That's what we are. We've got a God shaped hole in our heart. Father Anthony. It's cheesy, but it works. It kind of works. True. It's kind of <laughs> true, right? And only yeah. God can fill it. Um, but it, it, this, I mean, again, like this, I think I said this last week about uh, Pope Benedict, right? This is what he calls prayer. Prayer is the expression of our dependence and our need for God. That's what we're doing when we pray. Mm-hmm. Every time we're saying, God, I need you. I cannot survive without you. And that's why it's not for the wise because the wise think that they can do it on them on their own. And, we are not people who can be self-dependent and that we cannot build up the church. We cannot build up ourselves. God is the one who builds and he gives us the grace. And that grace is given in that relationship where we require, we depend on the father. That's why the, our father is the greatest of the prayers because it's literally saying, God, I need you. Like literally it's a, a give us this day, our super substantial bread. Give us the bread that really fulfills. Give us the bread that we really need. Give us the bread that we cannot create for ourselves. Which is your son. Yeah. Give us him because we cannot live without you. And this should bring us great peace. Instead of freaking out at all of our frailty and becoming depressed at our nothingness, it should bring us great joy knowing that it is the father who is going to sustain us in all we do. Like God loves you and will raise you up. Exactly. So like he's going to do it. Well, just stop pretending you're something you're not. Yeah. Like the devil, you see, both God and the devil want us to see our nothingness. Ah, this is good. Keep going. Right, but the devil wants us to stay there and re- and lose hope. Yeah, that you are you are nothing. You really are nothing, and so you should lose hope. You should have no sense of self value, etc. But God wants to say you are nothing, but with me you are everything. And that's, but you need grace to fulfill that for you. So both of the both of them want us to see this truth, but for different reasons. They want to. Put different lenses on our eyes but there is like and it's kind of like there is that truth in existentialism about like nothingness and stuff like this but it's not the end it's the beginning yeah yeah so thanks father z for supporting us Mm -hmm. your brothers and thanks for exhorting us with your magnificent tweet let's keep the presbyteral exhortations going and now it is time for presbyteral Exhortations. Oh, yes. yes. Quite good. Quite good. Indubitably. Mm-hmm. I bet they can't wait to learn. They're going to learn so much. It's my favorite part. Oh, it's oh, the best part. Oh, yes. Yes. Quite. Yes. Quite. Exalt. Let them exalt the hosts of heaven. Exalt. Let angel ministers of God exalt. Let the trumpet of salvation 
Sound aloud our mighty king's triumph. Be glad, let earth be glad, as glory floods her. A place with light from her eternal, from her eternal king. Let all corners of the earth be glad, knowing an end to gloom and darkness. Man, I can't wait for producer Nick to spend all the time he needs to auto-tune us so we sound amazing. <laughs> it's going to be great. It's going to be awesome. Yes. So we're going to talk about the Exalted, and mm-hmm. I am super, super geeked up about this. So first of all, some of you are listening to this on Friday. Not any Friday, Good Friday. And some of you are the kind of Christian where you're like, you know what? It's Good Friday. I want to be sad all day. If you're that kind of Christian, then okay, you might want to skip over this part. Because we're going to be talking about the resurrection, we're going to be talking about the light and glory of Christ in a very explicit and exultant way. So there's there's your spoiler warning. We're going to be talking about the exalted, okay? You yep. ready, Father Harrison? Let's do it. Let's, Let's do, do it. it. Okay, we're not we're not going to sing the whole thing because yes. that would that would long. take up the entire presbyteral exhortations. It is so like the <laughs> it's the fifteen minutes itself, long. <laughs> it is. It is. It's like 10, 15 minutes long. Thing yeah. how. No, fast or slow, you sing it. Yeah. And so just to get this into your brain, first of all, if you've never gone to an Easter vigil, go to your Easter vigil mass. Do it this year. It's Friday. You have a chance. Go. Do it. Yes, it's late. Yes, it's long. But it's literally the holiest day of the year. But then you can, And then you can sleep in the next day. Oh, it's so great. You don't have to wake up at 7 o'clock the next morning and offer mass. I do. You get to sleep in. <laughs> do Sucker. it. Yeah. <laughs> I have... I have mass at nine the next day. I have mass at seven and then nine. But I took that because that way I'll be done earlier and I can go to my parents' house and eat all kinds of good food. Ah, nice. So it's a trade-off. Okay, so just to get this contextualized in your brain, this is a hymn we sing at the Easter Vigil. So first thing that happens is there's the blessing of the Easter fire. Maybe you have a big old bonfire outside. Maybe you have a little baby fire inside, depending on what you can do and what your fire codes are. Then there's the preparation of the Easter candle. You got that big old candle. You put in those grains of incense or little nails, whatever they Mm -hmm. are, and you say the prayers over that. Mm -hmm. And then you light the Easter candle from the fire. And the neat thing about this liturgy is that every single candle that is lit, and if you do it right, even the charcoals that will be lit uh, for the incense will all be lit from that same Easter fire, which I think is really cool. Mm Mm-hmm. So you go into the church, we're singing the light of Christ, thanks be to God. And then the first thing that happens is usually the deacon proclaims um, this uh, hymn. Father Harrison, do you have a deacon? I do not. So are you going to be doing this? I am. Yeah, good. So, but if like the priest has no singing voice, is tone deaf. Like Father Anthony. it, no, I am perfectly <laughs> adequate. I am a solid I'm C kidding. plus chanter. I'm kidding. I'm so, kidding. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so then it's possible for a layperson to do it. Now, if you're a seminarian and listening to this, learn how to chant. Even yep. if you think you have a terrible voice, learn how to chant. Join your scola. It is a great mercy for your people if you learn how to chant. You don't have to become the best singer in the world. But like most chants, it's like five notes. You can do it. You can learn how to do it. As long as you can distinguish in your brain between different tones, you can sing. So that's... Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> What's neat is when the deacon does this, he asks for the same blessing that he would normally receive before praying the gospel. And you have a liturgical hint here that what this hymn is, is a proclamation of the gospel. So mm. it begins... Like the, what we're saying, exalt, let them exalt the hosts of heaven. And the first thing I want to point out is it's time to be joyful. Like to be Christian is to exalt, is to be joyful. Yeah. And I know like a lot of garbage has been going on in the church. Maybe a lot of garbage has been going on in your personal life. Whatever it is, I know <laughs> all that stuff happens and it's really tough. But to be Christian is to rejoice. And the first thing this hymn exhorts us to do is to exalt, is to be joyful. If we've forgotten how to be joyful, it means that we have forgotten Christ. Right. So, 
it's there's just a lot of fun poetry stuff with this mm-hmm. hymn and a lot of neat prayer stuff. So it begins by we're literally telling the angels to exalt. Yeah. Exalt. And, which is kind of cool, right? We're right, telling yeah. we're commanding the angels. Yeah. Yeah. It's like Woo! Super we are the intense. generals, they are the infantry. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot with this because one that's very silly and ridiculous because angels are like almost infinitely more powerful than we are and more intelligent but with uh, less dignity and with less dignity yes because of the incarnation right because god became man so that we might become like god so i would say it's not even so much i mean it is commanding but i also see it as this kind of like joyful familiarity with the angels and we as Christians should be familiar with the angels. We praise with them. We praise right. God with them at every single mass. Mm-hmm. And so and we... We get to do lo- something they don't get to. We get yeah. to use. We get to receive the Eucharist. Exactly. Suckers. What's it? That, that, that delightful uh, Faustina quote? <laughs> I can't believe I just called angels suckers. Um, they forgive you. They they, okay. they they have good sense of humor. I, yeah, because they take themselves very lightly. Ha, 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 ha. Uh, Chester Tignier. Okay, so... Uh, oh, that fun Sorry. quote by St. Faustina. If angels could be jealous, they can't be jealous because they don't sin. If they could be jealous, they'd be jealous of two things. One, the fact that we can suffer. Two, the fact that we can receive the Eucharist. Suffering because Jesus Christ suffered and receiving the Eucharist because that's really cool. Right. So this is joyful familiarity. We're telling the angels to exalt. And not only that, we're also telling the earth to exalt and to rejoice. So you have this image of us in between heaven and earth doing what we're meant to do, be this bridge between heaven and earth. We're doing it now, demanding that all of creation rejoice with us. So that's along with the church as well. Mm -hmm. And this really delightful line, let Mother Church also rejoice arrayed with the lightning of his glory, which is just super cool imagery. It's like the church turning super sane and just crackling with lightning all around it. I love it. Ah, oh, what's the name? Sorry, I just had this image go through my head, and I'm trying to remember the name. Give me two seconds. I gotta effort this quickly. Uh, just pause, and Nick will edit it and make it sound okay. amazing. Oh yeah, it's like the church is Raiden from Mortal Kombat. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, that was the image that was going through my head no, for some reason. Perfect. Uh, but. Uh. Good, good. And it goes on. Let this, this holy, holy building shake with joy. Right. And what is this holy building? Right. What is, what is this holy building? It's the parish, which is mm-hmm. uh, a small, a miniature incarnation of the church, Mother Church. Right. So this is the Mother Church in its particular form here right now. So this is the place where God is going to be enacting all his mysteries to bring us to redemption and to salvation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Good. So that's all kind of the intro, the prelude in the sense to the yeah. prayer. Now we go into this part. So singing this prayer, singing this hymn is so important that whoever is doing it, if he's a, a and this is for a job for the priest or deacon who's singing it, they need to ask everyone in attendance to pray for them that they can do a good job. So, therefore, dearest friends, standing in the awesome glory of this holy light, referring to the Easter candle, invoke with me, I ask you, the mercy of God Almighty, that he who has been pleased to number me, though unworthy, among the Levites, may pour into me his light unshadowed, that I may sing this candle's perfect praises. Few things. First of all, I don't remember because I don't think I used to go to the Easter vigil when we had the old translation. Right. But this translation of the same, it's so beautiful. God pouring in his light into you unshadowed. I just yeah. love that language. It's great. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so may God have mercy on me that I can do a good job chanting the rest of this. And yeah. some of you, you know your priests, you know your deacons, make sure you pray for them. Pray and they hard. Don't screw this up too pray bad. Fast. You if hear that, Father Anthony's parishioners, pray. <laughs> Uh, I'm just I'm just going with it now. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's good. You were making uh, fun of Canada is... on Twitter again, so. What does that say again? You were making fun of Canada on Twitter again, so I. I was, I'm... of course I was. So I'm it's Sunday, for it. and I was feeling joyful. Of course I have to make fun of Canada. Yes, exactly. It's the only day of the year you're allowed to be an ass. 
because <laughs> that's what Jesus wrote into Jerusalem. Oh, I get it because he wrote it as, yes. and it's that's not the bad word. You don't have to bleep that one, Nick. That we're yeah. talking about a donkey. Donkey, or a colt. exactly, exactly. Okay. <laughs> and this is a fun thing. So that I may sing this candle's perfect praises. So by praising the art of the candle, everything it represents. We are praising God. And it's kind of a very humble and magnificent way to praise God. That it's almost too much even to speak of the glory of God. We are so humble that we speak of the glory of this candle, all of which points to God. Right. And then we do this thing, and you'll probably recognize it. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. Lift up your hearts. We lift them up to the Lord. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right and just. Now, this is the hardest part for singing because the chant goes into a different mode. Mm-hmm. So you're suddenly changing your mode and the tone changes. And it's if you're not a professional singer, that is very hard to keep. <laughs> yeah, to flip that switch in your brain yep. to go back to regular. But the thing is, once you flip that switch, you're the good. rest of the hymn is pretty easy because it's yep. basically just chanting the preface with a few little uh, flares here yes. and there. Yes. Right. Same chant tones. But yeah, I was practicing today. and little I, flash, I Some kept... flashes. Yeah, like, like office, you know, in office space, they have to wear the flare on their uniforms. Exactly. This is, is what this is what the liturgy is doing for the exalted. You know, there <laughs> yes. is a minimum amount of flare that everyone's required to have. Yes, but if you want to throw in a little extra flare into your exalted, you know, it's it's not a wrong. It's not a bad thing. Sorry, I, I <laughs> no, I'm getting like I'm getting like uh, nostalgic for the '90s all of a sudden today. <laughs> it seems Raiden office space. Oh yeah, you're on a roll. Okay, so okay, uh, it is truly right and just. Okay, oh, I was gonna say something about this. So, this is the same tone, the same words as the beginning of the preface. Yeah, and we say the preface as introduction to the Eucharistic prayer. Right. So before we offer the sacrifice, mm-hmm. in a similar way, this is a sacrifice of praise that we're offering in this hymn. The candle is a sacrifice. It is being burned and consumed and offered to God. So it's drawing the parallels between the Eucharist and the singing of the praises of this Mm -hmm. candle and the candle itself Mm -hmm. burning. Yeah. Okay. So it is truly right and just with ardent love of mind and heart and with devoted service of our voice to acclaim our God invisible, the Almighty Father, and Jesus Christ, his Son, our Lord, his only begotten, who for our sake paid Adam's debt to the Eternal Father and pouring out his own dear blood wiped clean the record of our ancient sinfulness. So this is what Christ has done for us. He has wiped clean the record of our ancient sinfulness. He has offered himself perfectly perfectly to the Father and saved us from our sins. And it's very interesting. It doesn't call it the debt of humanity. Right? Go it on. says it says Adam's debt, right? This is very Pauline. Uh, just as in one man we were born to death, so in one man we are born to eternal life type of idea. I know I'm, that's not exactly what Paul says, but that's what he's trying to get at. Yeah. It's the idea that we've been born into Adam. And so by Jesus paying the debt for Adam, he's paying the debt for all of Adam's descendants, and that we are now incorporated into the new Adam, which is Christ. So there's a typology thing already kind of going on here. Oh, yeah. And we're yeah. going to get into a lot more typology. Oh, yeah. And that's one yeah. of the beautiful things about this hymn. And, and <clears throat> yeah. typology itself is a kind of poetry. What good poetry does is it takes concrete images and from those concrete images it kind of propels us into the eternal yeah it propels us into the heavenly things yes i want to talk about symbolism at the end because this is a huge thing with the exalted and the whole triduum yeah yeah good okay these then are the feasts of passover in which is slain the lamb the one true lamb whose blood anoints the doorposts of believers so we're getting to the typology here right so and another thing that's about this, it says, these are the feasts of Passover. And later on, I will say, this is the night. Actually, mm-hmm. I'll save that point it, for yeah. when we go on, because it's really good. But this is going through the typology. All the things that the ancient prophets and our fathers from uh, the people of Israel, everything that they hoped for is happening now. This is the feast. It's and happening not, and, now. And that they, they foreshadowed this, right? They, right? Everything that happened in the, in the Old Testament, they are actually the type of the image that is Christ, mm-hmm. right? They are, they are just the, uh, the shadow 
of the light that is Christ. So these shadows are now finding their true fulfillment. In, and, and this is why like the church reads the, old, the New Testament into the old like this now, because they see all of these images and, and actions of God fulfilled in the person of Jesus, who now shines a light on the Old Testament to see it in ways we've never able to see it before. Exactly. Yeah. This is the night when once you led our forebears, Israel's children from slavery in Egypt <clears throat> and made them pass dry shod through the Red Sea. This is the night that with a pillar of fire banished the darkness of sin. This is a night that even now throughout the whole world sets Christian believers apart from worldly vices and from the gloom of sin, leading them to grace and joining them to the holy ones. So we finish up the rest of that typology, all these pivotal saving moments of God. They've all pointed to when this to, night. Yeah. And there's almost like an awe in this entire exalted. Like, it's almost like the poet, we who are praying it, we who are singing it, almost can't believe it's happening. We're just in awe of the moment. Yeah. This is the night when this happened, okay? Mm -hmm. So this is the night when Christ broke the prison bars of death and rose victorious from the underworld. So now we've got all the typology. Now we're at Christ's saving passion. Now something else begins to happen. Our birth would have been no gain had we not been redeemed. And this is the line that kicks off even more praise in the exalted. So first of all, just think about that for a moment. Our birth would have been no gain had not we been redeemed. Mm -hmm. This is the importance of baptism. This is the importance of believing in Christ. Mm -hmm. Our life is no life without Christ. Yeah. Without him, we, we die, we fade away. Mm -hmm. But with him, we have the fullness of life. You should rejoice in your baptism. Rejoice in the fact that God has saved you and allowed you to accept that salvation, right? Mm -hmm. And this fact just makes the writer of this hymn and us who are singing it, listening to it, just like explode with joy. Because we say, oh, wonder of your humble care for us. Oh, love. Oh, charity beyond all telling. To ransom a slave, you gave away your son. We're just getting back to the heart of the kerygma, to the heart mm -hmm. of our story, and we're just rejoicing in it. We know it. We've heard it a thousand times, but now in song and prayer and praise, we're just entering deeply into these eternal truths. Mm -hmm. And then super fun parts. Yeah. Oh, necessary sin of Adam, destroyed completely by the death of Christ. Oh, happy fault that earned so great so glorious a redeemer yeah and if you that remember is, that any is lines, one of the best phrases right if you remember any lines from exaltate remember those lines right yeah and it, it it really it forces you to pause what do you mean necessary right yeah because of that like that's what i was talking about earlier is this idea that jesus gives us a dignity that was not ours at our first at the creation because he took on our humanity, we are made like God now. And that creates a, a newness that is um, so far beyond our wildest desires and deepest hopes. And, but this would not have happened without Adam's sin. Right. We, now, this is, I, I'm just going to do a little theological side here. Yeah, yeah. I was hoping you would, yeah. Because this, this I, think, I think this gives us some liturgical or theological data around the question of would Jesus have incarnated himself had we not fallen, right? And I think the way that the hymn is is phrased and how ancient it is, I think that gives us some data to say that no, he wouldn't have. Right. Right. Yeah. So I mean, I'm not saying this is like it, that's like a a, a shut and door case, but I think that that tells us something, right? This the sin of Adam it is what has opened this new possibility for us that never would have happened. And though the tragedy of sin is horrible and disdainful, the gift that has been given to us is even greater than we could have ever wanted and hoped for. In these couple lines, we're really dealing with the problem of evil. Yeah. And even though we can have intellectual answers for the problem of evil, there's something in our hearts that is not quite satisfied on this side of eternity. But we have a hint and we have the best answer that we have in these couple of lines. Yeah. That what Christ has done for us, his light, his glory, the love that he offers us, the fact that we can be so close to him, so overshadows, it blows away 
all other suffering. It mm-hmm. annihilates all evil. Yeah. It obliterates all suffering, and we are wrapped up in the joy of our Savior. Yeah. So that's like an approach at this answer that somehow we are so filled with joy at Christ's resurrection yeah. that we can even say, without holding back, without any kind of caveats in our hearts, we can say fully, oh, happy fault yeah. that earned so great, so glorious a Redeemer. Yeah, that, I mean, how many people can actually say that? Yeah. But that is the Christian position, mm-hmm. right? Uh, it's, yeah, you have, if you pause and pray with this, it really is, like, even right now, I'm like, wow, that, that is really amazing line to say. <laughs> it's super dope. <laughs> 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 oh, I love it. And you can tell, like, the joy in the hymn is becoming more and more, because you have that O, and each O has, like, more and more notes. <laughs> oh, my. Those <laughs> so are the hardest saying, ones to sing. Right, right, right. And then we have the one, the, the, the O with, like, five Five notes? I'm not going to try to sing it. Yeah, I don't. Oh, truly blessed night, worthy alone to know the time and hour when Christ rose from the underworld. So now we're beginning to praise the night. I, I love this part because we do not know the exact hour that Christ rose from the dead. Mm-hmm. But that night does. The creature of night was present there for the resurrection. Mm-hmm. And so we enter this imaginative space wondering in awe of the very moment that Christ rose from the dead. And that night is now right. in the Easter Vigil. Right. That's why we have so many readings, because we know now what is going to happen. Yeah. And we're not going to miss it. Yeah. So we're staying, keeping vigil, right. watching through the night at Christ's resurrection. And if you listened to today's passion narrative, uh, when they come to arrest Jesus, he says, like, this is your hour which is mm-hmm. the night, right? Yeah. So the night, this, I mean, it's going to go on to how the night has, is actually twisted because the night has always been associated with evil, right? right. And even Jesus associates it with, the, with evil. Right. But now, now the resurrection changes things. This is the night of which it is written, the night shall be as bright as day. Dazzling is the night for me and full of gladness. The sanctifying power of this night dispels wickedness washes faults away, restores innocence to the fallen and joy to mourners, drives out hatred, fosters concord, brings down the mighty. So all that darkness and hiddenness and sneakiness and evilness that's, as, that's associated with night, Christ has redeemed the night. He has taken back the night yes. and made it something glorious and something beautiful. Well, it's like the book of Revelation. It's like a bit of a homage to the book of Revelation, right? Yeah. Um, they shall see the Lord face to face. Um, they shall need no light from lamps to the sun, for the Lord God shall be their light, and they shall reign forever, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's what this is saying. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. On this night of grace, O Holy Father, accept this candle, a solemn offering, the work of bees and of your servants' hands. I get so excited when we talk about the bees, Father yeah. Harrison. I you don't know, know you why. You know, Benedict had a whole homily just on the bees one year. Did he? Yeah. Oh, I love that man. For the Easter. <laughs> his his so, tridium, folks, read his his tridium stuff. It's really really good. So now that we've we've been praising the night and we're beginning real poetic <clears throat> and real into these big things, now we're kind of bringing it back down, bringing it back down. Let's talk about the candle. Yeah. This candle that was made, and we're offering it to the Father. The work of bees and of your servants' hands. And it's kind of showing in this beautiful, kind of cute way of how the natural world along with us in it and how we've taken things and we are sub-creators. Yeah. We take what God has created and we get to play with it. We get to create as well and participate in God's creation in that way. Mm-hmm. And we made a candle. Yeah. And, and it's a sacrifice, cool. right? Because what is the candle doing? It's burning. Mm-hmm. And if it's burning, the, the wax is slowly melting away. Yeah. And burning away. And that's the whole idea. It's a sacrifice. We are literally sacrificing our work. It's going to dis- be destroyed one day. It's yep. going to be no more because it will be burnt out. Exactly. Uh, but that's the sacrifice that we've offered. And we're saying and we want, we're okay for this to die mm-hmm. because we know the life that you give. And we right. want this to be a symbol of it. But that's why it's, it's a symbol, right? It, it, it's not going to hold it to the end. God is the real one who brings light. Yeah. And it's also super adorable. Because we're just talking about everything God has given us and all the joy it brings. And what do we give in return? Hey, God, we made you a candle. 
but there's something beautiful about it in the same way that little kids like make little goofy crafts and stuff and give it to their parents even though it might not have nearly the same value as the life the love and the upbringing that you're giving your children that little goofy little gift means so much to you and yeah. so inflames your heart with love this is what we're doing with god by offering them this candle yeah okay this gift from your most holy church but now we know the praises of this pillar which which glowing fire ignites for god's honor a fire into many flames divided yet never dimmed by the sharing of its light for it is fed by melting wax drawn out by mother bees to build a torch so precious so that imagery with the fire and the flames that's uh that's a fun image mm -hmm. and i think um it's also a a uh it's a sign of what grace is like grace yeah. is never um just like while the the candle itself melts away the fire does not need to go away it, it, it's something that spreads without having to um it spreads without having to to lose anything of itself mm -hmm. it actually grows and that's yep. that's meant to be an image of grace actually that's what grace that's how grace works it doesn't need to kill itself to grow it actually just multiplies in a holy almost it seems to us a natural way but the fire actually gives us an insight yeah. as to how god's grace multiplies if you want more grace you give it away if you want more love you give it away and that's the image of the fire because yeah the fire is still there mm -hmm. fire still there mm -hmm. okay so ba -ba -ba. And, and and when you're singing this there's the bit there's the easter candle that's lit but everyone's holding their little tapers the little, little candles yep. candles and the as well, church right? is dark and the church is dark mm -hmm. but you see all those little flames kind of lighting up the church mm -hmm. okay it's really awesome um oh truly blessed night when the things of heaven are wed to those of earth and divine to human so we're kind of hearkening back to the incarnation mm -hmm. also we're looking forward when there's going to be a new heavens and a new earth, the redemption of all creation, heaven and earth meeting in this night. Therefore, O Lord, we pray you that this candle, hollowed to the honor of your name, may preserve undimmed to overcome the darkness of this night. Receive it as a pleasing fragrance and let it mingle with the lights of heaven. I like that. So just another reminder that heaven and earth are touching. Mm -hmm. Just like it does every Mass, mm -hmm. how we're singing praises with the angels. Heaven and earth are one. The church suffering, the church militant, and the church triumphant are all one together. May this flame be still be found still burning by the morning star. So once again, that candle is also keeping vigil with us. How can we possibly do all these readings and pray and sing these psalms? Because we have the light to do it. Right. It's also showing us it's the spiritual light of Christ that allows us to continue praising. Right. Okay. May it still be found burning by the morning star. And when you think morning star, it's going to be Jesus. The one morning star who never sets. Christ, your son, who coming back from death's domain has shed his peaceful light on humanity and lives and reigns forever and ever. Amen. 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 Perfect. Boom. There we go. So, um, I got. I've been pondering this too. Like, I, and this is again another interesting thing because I actually know like the vigil for one, at one point used to be celebrated like early on Saturdays. Oh like, yeah, like in the fifties or something like that. I think if I remember reading it correctly. Again, oh yeah, they they had to reform it because people kept moving it earlier and earlier. Yeah, to like the point where it was like like Saturday afternoons or something like that. And I'm like, that seems Paul Harrison, weird. Are you saying that before the sixties there were abuses in the liturgy? Yeah, there were neat things that needed reform. Mm -hmm. Weird. And now I wonder, but I also wonder. Mm -hmm. So, this is where it gets a little interesting with regards to calendars and everything too. Um, the germ says that the Easter vigil ought not to be celebrated until the sun sets. What's I, the germ, Father Harrison? General instruction, general instruction of the Roman Missal. So the how to do the Mass, how yeah. to do the liturgy. A couple quick interesting, interesting things. My first couple of years as a priest, I would spin it up in the Yukon, helping out in small remote communities for Easter. Even at this time of year, the sun's out quite late. 
you can't you wouldn't be able to start the vigil till like 11 o'clock at night oh my god! and goodness. you have to travel that night to go somewhere else so we had to do it at like seven o'clock even though the sun wasn't down it's just because i mean and and this is the thing because people you, aren't meant to live that far north exactly god had not envisioned it nor the church to exactly. live that far north into canada god envisioned us to be closer and closer to the equator okay <laughs> like 50 and under you know 50 yeah anyways um but i've always wondered this because this is my sense of the vigil right we're going through those readings this light is shining it's but christ isn't risen yet mm-hmm. right we're keeping vigil with him at the night yeah so part of me thinks is it supposed to kind of cross over into midnight type of idea where the time of like where the gloria starts to be sung and everything that's kind of the moment of the resurrection at midnight so that is truly the third day or is it just the idea that the more ancient sense of of the calendars was not um, based on times? They didn't, it was the sun sets, the day's over. Yeah. Right. The next day begins, and that's kind of my sense of it too. I think it's that as, that's why the church says when the sun goes down, the right. next day kind of begins, and so you're keeping vigil with this. You're you are there at the tomb with Jesus. You are there, but it's 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 the entirety of salvation history kind of condensed into one moment. Mm-hmm. It's literally we are we are participating in a real and true way in the two thousand and whatever years of God working with Israel, and that's why the 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 stories go from the creation account all the way up to the prophets foretelling what the Messiah would be like. We are literally going. That's why it says this is the night where we pass through the Red Sea. This is the night where the pillar of fire drew us forth because those events are actually helping. They are, they are concretized in Jesus. Yeah. And we are going through them with all of Israel so that when Jesus rises, we rise with him. And it's just, uh, and it's not, a, not in like, not in a symbolic way in the sense like, Oh, this is a nice poetic sense. No, like this is very real. It's really yeah. kind of cool. It's sacramental. Yeah. 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 That's why we're like we're saying this is the night we're entering into it mystically. Right, and this oh. is a well. This is what happens on Holy Thursday too. This is a another another cool Pope Benedictism. Yeah. Uh, when he was he did a homily for Holy Thursday, and his whole homily was on Hodie, which is Latin for today. <laughs> yeah, because that's what we say in the Eucharistic prayer for Holy Thursday, on the night before he was betrayed. That is today. Yeah. Right. And that's the idea is that the the past is always now in Jesus. This goes back to the episode we talked about with the sacramentality and the sacramental vision by Ratzinger. Yeah. This is this is what we're getting at. It's all today with Christ. And so he's always been able to make his past present to us today because it's all in captured in him now in heaven. Perfect. Yeah. So, everybody, have a good Friday. Yes. Even if you're busy, even if your life does not allow you to enter as fully as you would like to into this triduum, yeah. God is going to give you graces if you make yourself available. So even if it's in a small way, make yourself to all of the graces in a particular way he offers at this time of year. Yeah. Because God works with his church and blesses his church in these liturgical moments but even if you can't make it to all the liturgies you want to put some time aside and enter into all the grace God wants to give you so before we end I want since we're going into Holy Week I want to do a just a little bit of repenting you know to start off anew with Easter okay okay I just I, I've been listening I always listen to our old podcasts yeah and I realized I was like oh, man I've been getting really snippy lately so i'm sorry folks i don't know why i was like wow i got i mean i got a very kind of rigorous mind in some senses but Mm -hmm. and i get very opinionated obviously but sometimes i don't think about the i mean it doesn't help that i have a co-host that says do it 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 it's totally my fault but but no no it's not your fault it's not your fault but i I was like listening i was like "Ah, i should have been a bit more careful with some of my words sometimes or a bit more nuanced in some of my thoughts or i think i just also there's a lot when you're a pastor, there's a lot going on, and sometimes those things can kind of just weigh on you, and so it can yeah. come out in other places sometimes. So I apologize for that. So I just wanted so, to kind of say that. I think we both try to be as honest as we can on yep. the podcast, and sometimes that means you see our not so uh, glorious uh, sides of our personality, mm-hmm. and that's a normal thing. That we are, happens. we are like, yeah, you see, what you see is what you get. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's so, a good thing, though. It's like we're not trying to hide anything. No, no. Um, but good, good, good. Cool. All right. So uh, Tommy is busy venerating the cross right now, so he can't be on the podcast. Sorry, Tommy. Um, so thanks for listening. Please leave a review on iTunes and tell your friends about the co- podcast. Tell your enemies too, because Jesus says you must love our en- we must love our enemies. You can find me at Father Anthony. No. <laughs> you can find me at Father Sharapa on Twitter. You can find me at Fr Harrison. Contact the podcast and receive updates at ClericalPod on Twitter or email us at clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. If you want to contact us about the podcast, email the podcast. Yes. Guys, we love you. Do not send stuff to our personal emails or to our parish emails because we have a tough enough time keeping track of all of our parish emails. Our parishes come first. So we love you. We love the feedback. But if you want to contact us about the podcast, use the clericallyspeaking at gmail.com. All right? Yeah. So, uh, peace. God bless.